Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I lost a lot of blood. The bullet came within a centimeter of my spleen and kidney and a sixteenth of an inch of my spine. And I still have five pieces of it. If you take an x-ray of my spine, you see them in there like planets orbiting my spine. Not long after Paul Gaines was elected Mahoning County prosecutor, a man walked into his kitchen on Christmas Eve and shot him. But he lived to take office. You know, I was very lucky. I didn't know who wanted me dead. I really didn't. 11.30 at night, I was sleeping. I answered the phone, and it was a young woman. She said, are you Paul Gaines? You the prosecutor? And I said, yes, I am. She said, I know who shot you. And I said, oh, who shot me? Paul rubbed his eyes and started to wake up as the woman on the other end of the line told him what she knew things that hadn't been published. She knew my house. She said that they had been out there surveilling it. She'd been with them. The story she told is one we already know. The mob had sent hit squads to kill Gaines, and the woman said that her boyfriend, George Wilkins, had been on one of them. He'd stalked Gaines at the BW3 restaurant in Youngstown. I was shocked. I, I really was very surprised when I was told. But she didn't stop there. She said that Wilkins had been involved in another high-profile attack. She told me that they had shot Gary Van Brocklin to get a continuance. Gary Van Brocklin, the defense attorney shot in the leg in his office to try to get a delay in a trial. She also told me about the homicide of Ernie Biandello. Ernie Biandello, the would-be mob boss who'd been driving to work when he was ambushed and shotgunned to death. Her boyfriend, Wilkins, had been involved in that one, too. She told me when they killed Ernie Biandello, they had stolen a ring. And it was a a ring with the initials EB in diamonds. She said, we all passed it around. We all wore it. It was like a souvenir. I ended up on the phone with her for nearly four hours. And I made copious notes. The next morning, Gaines called the BCI the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigations, and told them what the woman said. And later that day, an investigator from BCI went to the woman's house to conduct an interview. And while they're there, George Wilkins calls her. So one of the agents gets on the extension phone, and George is telling her, look, baby, I'm going up to New York. We're going up there. We're going to pick up two keys of cocaine and a key of heroin. Well, (laughs) I guess we're on to something here. It was very easy for the investigators to arrest George Wilkins on a drug trafficking charge. And they dragged him in to be questioned by federal prosecutor Jim Woolley. He's a drug dealer, almost a character that you might picture out of the wire. He was looking at like 10 years for dealing drugs. 
but Wilkins had no desire to go to prison and a lot of information to trade. He starts to tell us exactly what they did. Wilkins spills his guts about everything, about how he was hired to help shoot Gary Van Brocklin. We heard a shot, and he screamed, and Mr. Batchel ran from the back room. How he'd been one of the guys who shot Ernie B. and Dillo. He shot from the passengers. Yeah. He shot inside the car, right? Yeah. And how he'd stalked Paul Gaines. Paul Gaines was down at um, BW3. He was supposed to go down there to kill him. Wilkins gave up every name he could. Mark Bacho, Jeff Riddle, Bernie the Jew Allshuler, and the big guy, Lenny Strollo. It's all tied to Lenny Strollo and the mob. It all made sense. But it didn't mean the first time you heard it, you weren't like, Jesus, this is really out there. Woolley needed to corroborate what Wilkins had told him. So he passed the information to the guy who had been working the Strollo case for years, FBI agent Bob Croner. George Wilkins rolled over. This was huge. It was a huge break. And Croner needed a break. He'd been listening to wiretaps of Lenny Strollo's house for months, trying to decipher what was being said. Suddenly, with Wilkins talking, it all made sense. That's what they've been doing all this time. It's like a light goes off and now we understand. Ah, now I'm moving. Now they just needed to corroborate Wilkins' story. Ernie Biandello had a diamond ring with the initials EB. George Wilkins told us that they took it to a jeweler in Pittsburgh. They pawned it. And we were able to send a lead over to the Pittsburgh office. Sure enough, they found it. Back in his office in Youngstown, Paul Gaines got a call from a BCI agent about what George Wilkins' girlfriend had said. And he asked me, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I'm sitting down. And he says, she's right on the money. You got like eight people looking for you. (laughs) Why she called me? Why she dropped the dime? George Wilkins got in a running gun battle with rival drug dealers. George showed up and he said, I need to use your car. She's in love or whatever, give him the car. The fellows that he's beefing with see the car, identify it as him, and they torched her car. And she was angry. Hell hath no fury as a woman scorned. I'm Mark Smirling, and this is Crooked City. You can't work organized crime in three or four years. It's climbing your way up to finally eradicate the top. Ernie Biondillo was surrounded by gunmen and shot in the back of his head. Well, I've seen the shooting and shit. I was just trying to get the hell about it. The slug exited my spine, and I remember thinking, I'm going to die. Paul Gaines, he never cried out. He kept his honor just like any real man would. This incident will not deter my efforts in any way, shape, or form. Every effort's going to be made to bring those responsible to justice. Chapter 13, The End of Omerta. Lenny Strollo and dozens of others have been indicted by a federal grand jury in Cleveland for organized crime and illegal gambling. 
a murder for hire is at the center of it all. On a cold day in December 1997, Bob Croner and his fellow FBI agents suited up for a raid that would change the face of the mob in Mahoning County forever. We arrested a lot of people that day. Everybody. They started with the mob's low-level bookies and loan sharks. They took down numbers runners and bag men. Starting at 6 o'clock this morning, FBI agents started hauling the suspects in. But there were bigger fish to fry. More arrests are possible as the FBI continues to break the long-time mob stranglehold on the valley. Mark Bacho, who shot Paul Gaines and Gary Van Brocklin, was in court on a burglary charge when his lawyer pulled him aside. He told me, Mark, I'm going to give you the best legal advice I ever gave anyone in my life. He said, run, son, run. Go to Mexico. Paul Gaines is opening up the candy store. I said, what does that mean? He says, all these people that know about your crimes are in the county, and they're all telling, and they're going to bury you. But Bacho didn't take his lawyer's advice. And not long after that, he was arrested. The FBI kept working their way to the top. They took down Jeff Riddle and dragged him off to jail. Bernie the Jew Allshuler was already in jail for a parole violation when he got word he'd been indicted for racketeering and murder. Then they got Lenny Strollo's older brother, Danny, who was on vacation down in Florida. He was taken back to Ohio to stand trial. For all the arrests that were made that day, Bob Croner only made one personally. He drove out to the big gated mansion in Canfield and he knocked on the door. Lenny Strollo wasn't surprised to see him. Strollo hated me. He said something to the effect, well, are you happy now, Bob? I'm gonna have to move, because you've been in my house, I can't live here anymore. Are you happy now? I knew that there was nothing but dislike there. Croner drove Strollo to the federal courthouse in Cleveland, where 29 other mob associates and members were lined up, waiting to be arraigned. Guys who knew Agent Croner very well. On their way out, they'd say, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Mr. Croner. <laughs> and Lenny looked at me and said, why are these guys thanking you? <laughs> Do they know you've just arrested them? The alleged rule of reputed mob boss Lenny Strollo could be over, as the 66-year-old Canfield man is rounded up with 29 others in a federal sweep to wipe out organized crime. The mob sweep was one of the biggest in Mahoning County history. It led the nightly news and captivated the people of Youngstown. The attorney lists their crimes as fraud and extortion, gambling, bribery, and murder for hire. All crimes they plan to eradicate in a community where mob rule is deeply ingrained. County Prosecutor Paul Gaines, who was almost killed by some of the people arrested, was interviewed in the wake of the roundup. Uh, this element's been a cancer in this society for years, and it's about time it was surgically removed, and we're going to do it. But there was still one person at large, Warren Willis, who had driven one of the cars in the murder of Ernie Biandillo. I started seeing things in the newspaper. They had a blanked out picture, but my name up under it. One day, Warren was on his way to his father's house. And I was walking down the street, and I happened to look 
across the street at the house, I could see the, you know, family house. Seen all these cars around there. Deucing suits going to the house. The feds had gotten there first, so Warren went to stay with a friend, his mind racing. I said, my life is over. I'm not going to tell a lie. I was actually trying to get to my pistols because I said I was dying in the street. I said, I'm not going to do life. But then Warren's cell phone rang. It was his father. And he's telling me, please don't do it. Please don't do it, you know. Maybe it's not as bad as you think. I said, man, I'm not, I, I'd rather be dead than do life. A few days later, the feds caught up with Warren and arrested him. They gave him a cigarette. And as he sat on the curb smoking, he could hear them talking to his father. So we got him, yeah, he's safe. And looked at me and said, yeah, your father wanted us to call him for somebody he thought we was going to kill you. He begged us not to kill you. I ain't never heard my father beg nobody. It gave me a, an epiphany, a, a whole new frame of thought. You always had a roof over your head. You was always well fed. You, he always had you dressed nice. <laughs> he may not never said it, but his actions are showing he loved me. You know. Drove all the way to Cleveland with my hands behind my back. Went in for arraignment. In the courtroom, the judge read out the charges against him. Violence and aid of racketeering. Was told to carry death penalty, possible life. I'm fucked. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I still believe to this day, if you're going to be a criminal defense lawyer, you got to do one mafia trial. It's just, it's a rite of passage. This is Jay Milano. In 1998, after the mob dragnet brought 30 people in on racketeering charges, Milano was assigned to be Jeff Riddle's defense attorney. And when Milano went to the jail to meet with him, he noticed something about Riddle right away. If you're going to be involved in violence and gambling and organized crime for life, it's not a high percentage thing to talk to anybody. There is one type of person who does this kind of work, and they're just quiet. They just don't talk. And when they talk, generally their eyes are down. They talk in a quiet voice. So that's the way Riddle was. Jeff Riddle truly believed in his heart 
that he would be the first black-made member of the Mafia. By that point through Discovery, Milano had heard Lenny Strollo on the wiretaps, and he knew Strollo never had any intention of making Riddle. It's vicious, what they talked about Riddle. Racist, vicious, vicious, vicious. You know, Riddle was being played, and he thought he was being the guy. Riddle was going to hold the code of silence. He was going to hold to Omerta. He was going to be the one that was going to show him he was a stand-up guy, and he was. He would show them he could be a mafia member. But not everyone who was arrested adhered to the code of Omerta. Of the 30 people indicted on racketeering and murder charges, most flipped. They traded what they knew for lighter sentences. Prosecutor Jim Willie again. That they were talking was not that incredible because the people that engaged in the acts, the shootings, had no particular loyalty or allegiance to the people that hired them to do it. I mean, they used those guys. So it didn't surprise me that they would be willing to roll on and testify against the people that hired them. Warren Willis and Mark Bacho had both taken deals. The only guys who were left were Lenny Strollo, his brother Danny, Bernie the Jew, LeVance Turnage, who was on the hit squad that killed Ernie Biandillo, and Jeff Riddle. I remember being in a room with an FBI agent with Mr. Riddle, and the agent was telling Mr. Riddle what was going on and what was about to happen to him, and Riddle covered his ears, physically covered his ears. Not only am I not interested in hearing what you said, I'm going to physically try to not hear what you're going to tell me. He was going to be a soldier. You know, I mean, if it had been the other way around, those guys would have given up a Jeff Riddle in a New York minute. But poor Riddle, he believed it. Lenny Strollo had fixed a lot of cases in Youngstown. Maybe Riddle thought he'd take care of this one, too. But in the end, Willie didn't need Riddle, because someone even bigger than him was about to flip. There comes a point when Danny Strollo decides that he's going to turn. Danny was Lenny's brother. They were close, and Danny could testify about everything. All the players, all the bribes, and all the murders. And at that point, we know the cases changed significantly. The lawyers then decided they had to get together with the clients in a courtroom in the federal courthouse in downtown Cleveland. The courtrooms are cathedral-like, literally. Giant murals on the wall and beautiful wood. And We're sitting at a giant table, lawyers on one side, clients on the other side, and around us in a circle, are U.S. Marshals, because these guys are accused killers. So all of us that were left, including Lenny Strollo and his lawyer, are all there to talk about the idea, what's our strategy now? This was the first time that Riddle had heard that Danny Strollo had turned. He says, wait a minute, I want to think about this for a minute. And we all sit there in this silence. You can just see him getting angry. He's steaming, and his eyes are down. And then he says, so what you're telling me is everybody's turned on me. He's turned on me. Who's coming after me? Why is this happening? What are you people doing to me? And finally, Riddle blurts out, you're all against me. I know where the judge lives, and I know she's got a 12-year-old daughter. 
And then it was like, whoa. And it got real quiet, real fast. So now in front of all these people, I have to respond to them. Look, you motherfucker. I'm the only person in the whole fucking world who's on your side. But it got very loud and very heated. Riddle didn't even know if he could trust his own lawyer. He said, I will follow you to the ends of the earth if I think you're fucking me. It was the scariest it can get as a lawyer. To have somebody who kills people for a living threaten to kill you, a federal judge, your daughter, and everybody else who they think is going after him. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. There were 30 people arrested in Youngstown on charges of racketeering and murder. By the time the trial was set to begin, there were only four defendants left. Jeff Riddle, LeVance Turnage, Bernie Allshuler, and Lenny Strollo. It did come to a very specific crisis point. Riddle's lawyer, Jay Milano, again. We all assemble in the basement of the courthouse. You had to go down, like, through the garage, and then you went into this little room and they lock you in. Just light bulbs hanging above. I swear there were black walls behind where the defendants sat. All three of the defendants are jammed on one side of the chicken wire. All three of the lawyers are jammed in on the other side of the chicken wire. And we've got to tell them, Lenny Strollo has turned against you. Above them in the courthouse at that very moment, Lenny Strollo was making a deal. It was supposed to be the trial of the century, but a major development today changed that. After hours of bargaining, Lenny Strollo agreed to admit he is guilty. Strollo, dressed in orange jail coveralls, walks into federal court in Cleveland. He signs an agreement pleading guilty to racketeering and the murder of Ernie B. and Dillo. Back in that little room in the basement, the three last defendants were silent. Riddle didn't talk. Turnage didn't talk. Bernie Altshuler talk, and he said, never, not a chance. He will never turn on me. There is no chance in the world. Do you know what we've done together? We were sticking up stores when we were kids, when we were teenagers. We were stealing when we were 10 together. There is no chance in the world that he will testify against me. We said, look, Bernie, he's up there right now. He's pleading guilty right now. He said, not a chance, not a fucking, and they say fucking every minute, excuse me for saying it. That motherfucker will never do it. Fuck you people, fuck the government, I'm going to trial. This was the largest criminal case that I'd been involved in, in terms of the sheer numbers, and certainly in terms of the nature of the violence. This is Judge Kate O'Malley the U.S. District Court judge who would preside over the trial of the Youngstown mob. She was surprised when she heard that Lenny Strollo wanted to make a deal. His lawyer told me that his mother 
Mrs. Strollo said to Lenny Strollo that brother will not testify against brother. I understood that it was really pressure from his own mother. I had only seen him up until that point in his orange jumpsuit. And to me, he looked like an elderly man who might have one day been quite powerful, but certainly didn't seem to exude that sense in the courtroom in his jumpsuit. One of the things I remember most clearly was when Lenny Strollo walked in the courtroom to testify. He was dressed in a, you know, a beautiful dark suit with a crisp white shirt and a silver tie and his hair all done. Hollywood could not have cast the mob boss more clearly. He looked exactly like a mob boss. Please be seated right here, sir. We're told that you have a somewhat softer voice. This is a recording of testimony Lenny Strollo gave in a Mahoning County courtroom several months after the federal trial. Finally, the people of Youngstown would get a full accounting from the guy who knew the most about the city's grisly and violent history. Proceed. Good morning, sir. Would you state your name, please? Lenny Strollo, S-T-R-O-L-L-O. Strollo started from the beginning, telling the jury about his first experiences with organized crime at age 14. Uh, I've been involved for a number of years since I was a youngster. I uh, started out servicing vending machines and met various people that were involved in the mafia or illegal activities controlled by the underworld. Were you a member of the mafia? I was. Okay, would you tell ladies and gentlemen of the jury how a person becomes a member of the mafia? You're uh, recommended by someone and, and given a an oath of uh, silence. What does this oath of silence mean? It means that you're not supposed to divulge uh, any of your activities. So as you sit here today, you are violating that oath that you took. I am. Right? The other defendants, you could still see some surprise on their face that he was really doing it. You had a sense that they never really believed it. I'm not so sure I would say they didn't expect it, but in their heart of hearts, I don't think they believed it. Strollo told the jury that he'd risen through the ranks of the mafia to become a lieutenant to Briar Hill, Jimmy Prado, And he was made by the Pittsburgh organization, along with another guy, Joey Naples. How long had you known Joey Naples? I knew him most of my life. Okay, since you were a kid, is that correct? Yes. Well, I knew, knew him, but not on a friendly basis. And do you recall how he came to lose his life? He was murdered. From what I saw on the news, it was, uh, he was building a home and somebody shot him. For years, people had assumed that Strollo had killed Naples to take over the rackets. But that day, the prosecutor seemed to carefully avoid that question. Instead, he asked him who benefited the most from Naples' death. Now, after Joey Naples died, who became the person in charge of the Youngstown Mafia? I did. As part of his deal, Strollo pled guilty to the attempted murder of Paul Gaines. But the prosecutor wanted to know what drove Strollo to risk killing an elected official. 
What did you have against Paul Gantz? Nothing. Nothing personally, excepting that, uh, that Bob Cromer was going to be his, uh, his chief investigator. He was worried that Gaines would hire his nemesis, FBI agent Bob Croner. That's the guy who's been chasing you for... A number of years and arrested me. So he is uh, the biggest threat to you, is that correct? Yes. So once you learned of that information, what did you decide to do? Uh, get rid of Paul Gaines. And when you say get rid of Paul Gaines, what do you mean by that? To kill him. I remember his testimony being so candid about all the horrible things he had done and had ordered and his lieutenants had done for him. Instead of just being shocking, it also made it all more convincing. If someone was willing to admit to those kinds of things, then they must really be who they say they are. It not only tied all of this activity directly to the defendants who were being tried, but it also was the thread that tied all the other things together. Finally, Strollo walked through the events that led up to the brutal murder of Ernie Biandillo. He made the comment that he was the new kid on the block. I got word that uh, he was going to uh, try to kill me. Okay, and why did Ernie want you killed? He had aspirations, I guess. He was wanted to take over the, what was left of the valley. He did. He would be the boss, is that correct? Well, he would try. And once you learned that, did you come to learn the circumstances as to how you were to be killed or who was going to do it? Uh, I didn't know for sure, but I thought that uh, there was a possibility because uh, of what I heard about the individual, Mark Batchel. Now, Mark Batchel, this was the guy that you were afraid of, right? Right. Uh, everybody said how, how much of a nut, you know, and they, they referred to him as a, a nutcase that, uh, that he would do anything, you know. So Strollo turned to the guy he trusted the most, his right-hand man, Bernie Allshuler. And he said he would take care of him. Take care of him? Yes. What did you understand Bernie's comments to me that he would take care of him? He'd get rid of him. In other words, kill him. So I'm curious if you know why Bernie Altshuler would volunteer to take on this illegal task. Just we were that close. So you're good friends? Yes. Okay. Are you good friends today? I don't see how. You're testifying, basically. Yes. Yes. Prosecutor Jim Woolley remembers that during cross-examination, Bernie's lawyer got up to question Strollo. Got into his face and tried to elicit a reaction and says, you don't even care about Bernie. You, you don't give a shit about him. And, and Lenny, he, he got quiet and said, no, that's just not true. It's just not true. And I remember looking at him and I'm thinking, that was his friend. And it was hard for him to do that. One of the defense attorneys was cross-examining Mr. Strollo. And so he went through the whole list of terrible things that Mr. Strollo had done and how many times he had either lied to the police or lied to the U.S. attorney and how many times he had ordered people's legs broken, he had ordered someone killed. That defense attorney revealed something shocking. As part of his deal, the feds were going to let Strollo keep all his ill-gotten gains. And at that point, it was believed he was worth over a million dollars. He said to him, you'd do a lot for a million dollars, wouldn't you? 
You'd break someone's legs for a million dollars. You would have someone shot in the thigh for a million dollars. You'd put someone in jail for a million dollars. You'd kill someone for a million dollars, wouldn't you? Mr. Strollo looked up at this defense attorney and said, who wouldn't? And the looks on the jurors' faces were so shocked. I think the jury was just shocked by the whole experience of living in Youngstown. After 13 hours of deliberation, the jurors came back with a verdict and handed it to Judge O'Malley. The three defendants rose to hear their fate. We, the jury, being duly impaneled and sworn, find the defendant Bernard Altshuler guilty of engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity as charged in count one of the indictment. When the jury came back with guilty across the board, the defendants all seemed simply resigned. There was no screaming, nothing like you'd see in a movie. There wasn't anybody from the audience yelling, oh no. You know, it was just, they were quiet and resigned. At the end of it all, decades of extortion, corruption, racketeering, and murder in Mahoning County, three people were left holding the bag. Before they were sentenced, the defendants were given a chance to speak. And that's when Jeff Riddle finally broke his silence. Mr. Riddle, do you have anything you wish to say before sentences? I would like to, Your Honor, if... Certainly, you're welcome to do so. Well, you know, I'm not such a proliferating speaker. You know, I... I'm a little lost at how the last six months I've been involved in this organized crime. I'm in the mafia, you know, and I resent how the U.S. attorneys and these guys at this table have hoodwinked the community in thinking that two black guys and an old Jewish man is the mafia here in Youngstown. You got the people believing the two black guys and the Jew is the mob. <laughs> that's, that's about it, you know. I, I'm a little lost of words myself. The judge sentenced Jeff Riddle, Levance Turnage, and Bernie Altshuler to life in prison without parole. calling it a pivotal moment in the fight against mob activities here in the valley. Many believe this verdict is going to have a profound effect on the Mahoning Valley. This is a huge day for federal agents and prosecutors who've worked this case. You know, they've been at it for years. Some of them have literally invested years of their lives trying to break the mafia stranglehold on our area. There was uh, some personal satisfaction. FBI agent Bob Croner again. All of a sudden, all these mobsters are no longer... I can specifically remember somebody asking me whether or not I thought that any of this would make a difference. And my response was, we didn't get this way overnight. We can't expect it to change overnight. Because the reality of it is, it became a way of life for a lot of people that lived in this valley. It's up to the citizens to decide if they want to keep living organized crime as a way of life. Warren Willis was sentenced to more than 12 years for his role as a driver in the murder of Ernie Biandillo. Mother died on me while I was there. Couldn't see it. Uh, 
miss my kids growing up. Everybody, oh, you all right? Nah, I ain't all right. <laughs> I'm not all right at all. When he finally got out, his father was there to pick him up. He just grabbed me, hugged me, said, man, I love you, man. Took me damn near to be 60 to hear that, but, but I finally heard it. Mark Bacho pleaded guilty and got 28 years for his role as a hitman for the mob. He's serving his sentence in a county prison. He'll get out in 2027. The only thing I want to do when I get out is go to the owner of Chick-fil-A and say, may I start at the bottom and work my way up? And maybe I'll meet the girl of my dreams in the Chick-fil-A. I don't know. Life of crime, done. Bob Croner retired just a few years after the Strollo case receiving honors from FBI Director Robert Mueller for his work in Youngstown. The day I retired, my wife picked me up to bring me home, and I said, you follow me for 31 and a half years, we'll live wherever you'd like to live. And she said, this is our home, I think we should stay here. Lenny Strollo only spent eight years in prison, and when he got out, he found out he had a new neighbor. Bob Croner and his wife had moved into a house just down the street. He was livid. Absolutely livid. <laughs> After Lenny started getting along with me, Lenny's wife, Antoinette, she made me cookies one time and dropped them off at the office. Lenny died in 2021, at the age of 90. There was a time mobsters never died from natural deaths. They were always whacked. Lenny dies in his 90s. At the end of the mob trial, Strollo's testimony led to the convictions of dozens of corrupt public officials in Youngstown. The list of names contained in the Strollo papers reads like a who's who of Mahoning County politics. Gary Van Brocklin resigned as special prosecutor. Ed Nemeth took as much as $20,000 from the mob, while Sheriff... Camel Police Chief Charles Zanakis. Mahoning County Engineer William Fergus. Judge Martin Emmerich is another name straight from Strollo's mouth. It's believed he has a lot of information that will help prosecutors in other corruption cases. Who will be left standing in Mahoning County when the dust settles? Judge Kate O'Malley took some heat for accepting Strollo's plea deal. To a lot of people, his sentence was too light. She did it because the prosecutors sold her on the quality of information Strollo could provide. I had the sense that the U.S. attorneys were excited. I knew that they had other fish that they were looking at down the road. I didn't know at the time that the U.S. Attorney's Office was looking at Congressman Trafficant. That's on the next episode of Crooked City. Crooked City is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Catherine Sullivan, Alexa Burke, Olivia Briley, and Zach St. Louis. Ryan Swikert is our senior producer. Story editing is by me, Mark Smirling, and Ryan Swikert. Kevin Shepard is our associate producer. Scott Curtis, our production manager. John Cecatelli, our local producer in Youngstown. Fact-checking by Dania Suleiman. George Drabing-Hicks did the mix. Sound design by Ryan Swikert. Music by Kenny Kusiak and Marmoset. Our title track is Hurricane Heart Attack by The Warlocks. Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. That's at Crooked City Pod. 
If you've enjoyed Crooked City, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.